Hello, and welcome to the pilot episode of Baltic Film, a podcast whose format is a complete and total mystery to me, uh, though I can give you some rough themes. Uh, we're going to explore the politics of Eastern Europe, the shittiness, the stupidity, the corruption, uh, all the good stuff. Hopefully, it's not going to be too depressing. Uh, I'll try my best to be funny and entertaining, though I have no idea whether I'll succeed. So, today, we are going to shit on the Latvian president, Egils Levitz. Uh, since this is an English podcast, I'm going to call him uh, Jill. We're gonna shit on Jill based on an interview uh, that happened some time ago, <laughs> and quite frankly isn't that relevant anymore, but uh, I'm popping my cherry here when it comes to podcasts, so please, uh, bear with me. Uh, so, about Jill. Uh, in my humble opinion as your podcast host, this man uh, almost perfectly represents one type of politician that we Latvians have which is the chill grandpa, a politician that just seems to exist, basically. And uh, this particular specimen is usually just chilling. Sometimes he does some chores here and there, like uh, reasserting our commitment to be part of the NATO, for example. Sometimes he grumbles that the healthcare costs are too high. Sometimes he tries to encourage people to vote. But um, at the end of the day, that is more or less it. Uh, and the answer to the first question uh, illustrates my point pretty well. Uh, the question being, what have you achieved during your first year as a president? And uh, the reply to this question is him explaining that the duty of the Latvian president is to see the country as a whole and to promote discussion and debate and exploration of new ideas. So, let's take note that talking shit is an accomplishment, and that the job of the Latvian president is to be a glorified podcaster with a castle, going from one city to another, smoking weed with the locals, and then talking about how fucking ripped and muscled the chimps are. Uh, Like, I totally understand if this is what the Estonian president said, for example, because uh, that guy can just freely fart around in his own castle. Uh, I'm pretty sure that the Estonian president has a castle. Uh, or maybe he doesn't. I don't know. Anyways, but our boy Jill here can propose new laws to be voted on, he can refuse the signing of others, and he can also start the national vote to fire the parliament. And we Latvians hate the parliament the moment uh, they're elected, the moment they're in office, we just hate their guts. And even with no political drama, there's a, there's a legit chance, if given the opportunity, we just vote yes for the fuck of it. And uh, that's, like, it's not a lot of power, I guess, but uh, it's, it's definitely a respectable amount of power and leverage way more than the average parliamentarian has. And, uh, you know, for a man who's impressed by online petitions and how amazing our implementation of them is, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a fair amount of power, yeah. 
So, the next question was whether he managed to be a president for all Latvians, and I really don't know what it means to be a president for everyone. Uh, especially not in a country with massive conflicts of interest and ideological disagreements and all sorts of other bullshit. Though, um, neither does he, because his answer is that he succeeded in seeing the Latvian people as a whole. Uh, not, not really with much more details or elaborations on that. Uh, I, I really have no idea what that means. It, like, I guess it sounds like a fun trip on drugs, like you're seeing every, all the Latvians somehow, but I, I don't know. But, but moving on, uh, later in the interview, um, he gets asked why he thinks uh, Latvia has been evaluated as, um, as a flawed democracy. Like, what's, what's the reason behind that? And he basically goes on a rant, uh, shaming us Latvians for not exercising our democratic rights. And just look at those Belarusians fighting for their democracy and freedom with force and going out in the streets. But like, we, we Latvians are just sitting here on our asses and not voting and not being aware of our civic duties. Just, just being bad, lazy citizens. And, you know, this, this lack of political participation is what makes Latvia a flawed democracy. Uh, the, the Latvian laziness is what seals it in, I guess. Uh, I, I genuinely am not expecting a lot from a political scientist, but um, still, real fucking disappointing. And uh, I guess his solution to this, you know, lack of political engagement is to shame us and uh, spread the word of our Lord and Saviour, uh, Jesus H. Democracy. Um, I would like to paint an alternative narrative, perhaps simplistic and naive, but still, let me, let me try to do it. Let me try to explain from a different perspective why people are not engaged, why people aren't voting, why people are feeling apathetic and cynical of this whole political project we call democracy. And luckily for us, uh, the history of the Latvian democracy is really short, so I could just give you a, a crash course, essentially. So, uh, First World War ends. We get our independence from the Russian Empire, and in the 1920s, uh, we have the vote for our constitution. Everyone over 18 gets to vote on who will write it. And there's almost consistent 80% turnout for the next, like, 3-4 elections. Uh, lots of shit gets done. People do the democracy with the big fucking D. There are actual stakes here. Uh, socialism is an actual option. The future of the country could be taken into great many fucking directions. Uh, the Social Democratic Party is large and powerful. Uh, though there's also a bit of a dark side to all this passion and engagement uh, with politics. There's lots of fracturing. Uh, there are lots of tiny, shitty parties. Uh, at some point, uh, shit kind of grinds to a halt with all the bickering during the third and the fourth parliament. And then a right-wing populist does a coup d'etat, because he just got sick of the bullshit. Democracy ends. Then the Soviets come in, and democracy continues to be dead, essentially. And then, the Soviet Union dies. And democracy lives again. 
And so, what do we see in the first elections after the death of the Soviet Union? That's right, we see a massive fucking turnout again, like 90% of people go out there and they vote. And people, once more, are really into this thing called democracy. Now, naturally, there's lots of chaos, there's lots of shittiness and corruption going on, but still... There's like consistent 70-80% were to turn out for the next elections, uh, and the next ones after that. But, then 2008 happens, and it was not fun here in Latvia. We see austerity, we see strikes, we see unrests, we see lots of cynical stuff going on. And uh, the main thing that we see is massive emigration away from Latvia. Um, I think at this point, like, 200,000 people have left to work in other countries. And, as a reminder, we are a country of 2 million people. It's a massive demographic shift. And uh, not only is it a massive demographic shift, I think it's also a massive shift in perspective on on what the government can do for us, and uh, how little our vote matters at the end. And to the best of my knowledge, none of the parties have really proposed anything big or ambitious or interesting of 2008. And yeah, after that demographic shift and after that shift in perspective on what the government can do for us and what it's willing to do and what it's capable of doing, um, well, the voter turnout plummeted into the 50s. And... Again, I'm no political scientist over here, uh, but, uh, you know, I would imagine that there are concrete material conditions that explain this word of depression, and that uh, if you want to get the voters to fucking vote, you have to propose worthwhile policies, you have to push for something, you have to have some vision for the future, because right now... Uh, I mean, right now the politics in Latvia is is just uh, twiddling with the taxes and uh, and maintaining the status quo more or less, and that status quo is slowly getting worse and worse. Uh, anyways, uh, just you know, don't expect a lot from political scientists. Uh, most of them may as well be medieval theologians arguing for the divine rights of kings. Now, at some point, our boy gets uh, asked whether he's for same-sex marriage, and naturally, he's not. He thinks that the current definition of a marriage as a union between a man and a woman is acceptable, good, and correct, and that it's also perfectly legitimate for Latvia to promote a specific model of a family, which is stupid. Because last time I checked, giving useful legal rights and protections only to married heterosexual couples does not promote married heterosexual couples. Like a gay guy won't marry a woman just to get his hands on those sweet, sweet legal rights. Unless that woman is 96 years old and has too much money. But, you know, barring that rare occurrence... uh, like, the only thing that happens is that a specific group gets denied legal rights. 
Well, I think I more or less covered the whole interview. And that also summarizes our dear friend Jill and uh, the type of politicians that we Latvians have here. Um, but uh, for some extra entertainment, uh, I will read you uh, the comments below this video, just to pad the time, I guess. So, comment number one. Let us see, what is it? Uh, the LGBT movement's goal is to reduce the number of people just like the vaccines by offering untested vaccines. The LGBT movement is but a servant for greater ungodly purposes. The LGBT is dangerous for Latvian society where the population is very small. Other countries are still managing because of their larger populations. Because of the impact of LGBT culture on young people, the Latvian nation will die out in two generations. It is... Not for nothing that LGBT is the organizer of the death extinction movement naked and lewd pride. <coughs> my god. Well, he's definitely making uh, the LGBT uh, key movement sound really cool and badass. So. I'll drink to that, my man. Um, <coughs> uh, you gay people have equal rights. Just like everyone, gay people can marry the opposite sex. Um, just... Just imagine being so stupid that you can't entertain the counterfactual, like, what if? What if you could only marry same-sex individuals? Like, would that be equality? <laughs> oh god. Okay, next comment. Uh, there's a guy with five paragraphs explaining how we are in the age of Scorpion. And, um... Uh, uh, honestly, I have no idea what he's trying to say. It's just it's it's Latvian, like it's it's definitely written in Latvian, and um, I can definitely make out some words. Well, I mean, I understand all the words, um, uh, but I but I don't seem to get what he's saying. <laughs> um, next comment: uh, Nature slash God made the human body. Where every organ has their own goal and function. And, yeah, I definitely agree with this comment. The purpose of his mouth is to suck off my dick, so... Chop chop! Next one. Uh, the Tibetans believe that the human body functions like a clock mechanism. Um, no, they don't. And you're very stupid. Uh, next one, uh, the minorities will always want something else than the majority. So here's the question, are the needs of the minority worth it for the country and the nation? Uh, yeah, yeah they are. Next one, um, uh, the advice of medical professionals is to cure the gay. And there are successful methods. Um, the claim that homosexual behavior is normal, blah, 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 blah. Um, nine out of ten dentists uh, agree that euthanizing the author of this comment is uh, a good idea. You know what? I think that's enough for today. Uh, let's end on the positive note of euthanasia. Um, thank you.